Good morning, church. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Zach has a big birthday party today. I got to hear all about it. His little daughter, Bree, who I was instructed, that's what I call her, Briella, but she's turning three and has a jumping castle. And uh, she told me, don't call me Briella, it's Bree. So I want to give a little shout out, but that's always fun. And um, well, now that I've introduced you to Bree, um, my name is Dave. I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and I typically do the bulk of the preaching. So I want to say um, welcome, and uh, just uh, also to give you a heads up, if you're new, I have a, a stutter, and it'll kind of come in and out as I, as I go, as I pr- preach, and so I want to make sure that you know what that is and um, where, uh, where that's coming from. And so um, uh, we're going to get into our time pretty quickly here in the, in the, in the series that we're walking through, and I want to set that up well, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, as you just heard. And so um, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles if you, if you have one. And if you don't, would you hold your hand up and keep it up, okay? We want to make sure you get a copy of God's Word in your hand. So if you don't have one, if you don't own one, or you just don't have it, Today, I encourage you to hold your hand up and keep it up. Um, y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Hechos, capítulo 4. So, um, again, if you need a Bible, hold your hand up and we'll get you one. Um, and um, let me set up where we're, where we're headed. So we're in a, uh, a seven-week series called Countercultural Convictions. And this is not all of our convictions as a church, but it's, it's, it's seven things that we want to make sure we understand and that we know um, that, that you've heard from us what it means and what we mean by these things. And it's, um, we, we started off last week talking about love, and each week we'll get back into that, that love necessitates clarity, right? That, that, that to be loving is to be clear and to explain and to make sure there's understanding. And so um, we, we walked through that and we talked about how God is love and Jesus is God, and he is love embodied, manifest, incarnated, and then um, through him he calls us to love one another. And so this week we get into Jesus, okay? And I know even out of the gates I might be like, what does that mean? Why? Okay, Jesus. That's, um, but we want to specifically talk about the, the person and work of Jesus and how he shapes us and forms us and what it means as a church to be Christ-centered. Okay, so let me um, uh, share this, this, um, this statement. As we have each week, we'll walk through um, the, the, the statement uh, that, that'll kind of shape our time. And this is it. In a world that validates many different paths to God, we believe that faith in Jesus is the only way for us to be forgiven of sin and reconciled to God. 
Okay, so again, this is, this is our, our, our statement that we want to make clear. And then this morning, as I said, we're walking through Acts chapter 4, which will shape and inform um, what we mean. Okay, it'll help us to understand that we don't just have a bunch of kind of topical things that we walk through and kind of find a verse, but, but this is the broader truth of all of Scripture, and we, we submit ourselves to God's Word, and then specifically each week we'll walk through a particular passage. Like we did last week, we were in First John. This week, we're in um, Acts chapter 4, and what we see specifically in Acts chapter 4 is this, kind of in a statement, is that we see that the gospel of Jesus, okay, and the word gospel means good news, the good news of Jesus is visible, exclusive, and pursuing. Okay, so let's pray together as we get into uh, this time together in Acts chapter 4. Heavenly Father, we come together as your people. And I'm all the more struck this morning of the desperate need I have and we have for your spirit to work. Lord, we don't see clearly without your intervention. And I pray that you will open our hearts and our ears and our eyes. Lord, that you will lead us to respond rightly. Lord, that you will speak through my mouth as I seek to teach your word. Lord, that our, our response would be to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to circle back up to verse 5. And we'll start off there. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? So the, the question here is something happened that demanded a response, that demanded an explanation. Something is going on here that there's all these high priestly folks, right? They're in the Jewish religion in that time. In, um, this is the most, they're the, the, they're the top dogs, okay? The most significant people, the most religious authority. And, and something happened that demanded uh, an explanation. And what it is, and we'll see in verse 8 when, when Peter speaks up and, and explains this, but back in chapter 3, what had happened is Peter and John were walking, going into the temple, and we learned that a man had been there all of his life. And, and this is just kind of interesting fact, by the way, likely this means that Jesus, when he went to the temple, passed by this man, perhaps interacted with him. So I just think that's helpful and interesting to, to th think about. And yet, this man still had a disability. His, he was unable to, to walk from birth, and he'd been there, again, the majority of his life, and he would ask for alms, and this was a common practice. He'd ask for, for money or food or different things. And, and he's sitting there just asking broadly and people are kind of ignoring and walking past. And, and, he, and then he says, um, you know, will you give me something? And Peter says, right, silver and gold have I none. Not right. He says, um, there's a song that goes to this. And he says, but, but what I do have, I give to you. Rise up in the name of Jesus, rise up and, and walk. And then the guy, right, is walking and leaping and praising God. And, and he goes in and, and he's this guy who everyone knew, the religious authorities and everyone else saw this. 
on display and it demanded an explanation. Something happened. This guy used to not be able to walk and now he's walking. How? By what power, by what name? And something that as I see, as we say here that the gospel is visible is that this, from the very beginning, you see, we've gotten used to kind of a distorted or dichotomized, is that a word? Um, I don't know if you can tell you, but a dichotomy that is broken apart. Oh, well, there's a spiritual thing and things that take place on a spiritual realm. And then there's stuff that has to do with everyday life, with the physical world. And, there's, and we've, even though we, we don't always acknowledge it or say it, we've kind of embraced this way of looking at the world, right? There's this kind of that up there. There's, you get saved. It's a spiritual event. And then there's stuff on earth. And, and I'll just say this is perpetuated even, um, you know, history of, of different abuses. So in some cases by the church, for example, slavery, um, things along those lines. Like, oh, well, there's the spiritual over here and then there's everyday life. There's the, there's the, 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 the spiritual or the sacred and then the secular, but, but the gospel doesn't give any room for that. It's, it's visible. God has to do, right? We say all of life is all for Jesus. It's because everything has been affected and infected by sin. And then the good news of Jesus has, has impact as far as the curse is found, right? His glory reigns and his good news presides over and informs and speaks into. And that's what we see here and that the gospel is visible. And so they ask for an explanation, right? How did this happen? By what power or by what name? And by the way, name is not John, Sally, you know, Sue, who, who did this thing, but it's, it's name is power, authority, character, title, position. That's what name meant. Okay? It, was, it was kind of all inclusive. By what name did this happen? And so these men, by the way, who are the apostles, the, the followers of Jesus are imprisoned. And, and, and so they're, they're the ones getting asked. And so Peter is the one normally who steps up and says something. Sometimes it's inappropriate. Sometimes he's put in his own foot in his mouth. Um, someone's like, man, Peter, but, but, but he, he, he stands up. And I'll also point out that Peter, not long before, denied Jesus. Okay, now he's imprisoned, and he's the one who stands up. Let me tell you what happened, by what name and by what power this man was healed. Something must have happened in Peter's life that demanded a change. He saw something. He experienced something that no longer enabled him to just sit silently by, passively, or to blatantly deny Jesus altogether. And that's where we see here, he speaks up in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined Today, concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Okay, let this be on display. This isn't the hidden thing. This isn't some quiet. Let, okay, you ask, you want to know, let me tell you this, this gospel, this good news that demands an explanation. Let me, let me go ahead and, and, and tell you. It's visible. You want to know this is it. Let it be known to all of you 
that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, again, by, by Jesus, who you've heard of, who you know, we'll talk about, by his authority, by his character, by who he is, right? Not just name, again, okay, by all, by all the person and works of Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. By Jesus Christ, who lived an actual historical physical life, did many good things, healed many people, and then his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead, by that name, by that power, this good work has happened. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's this, it's an incredibly important chapter. If you, or, or, or like me, or others even in my family, we've had conversations lately, um, are tempted at times to even like question your salvation, your faith, right? Question the basis of, well, why do I really believe this thing? Why do I do this thing? Why am I here? What, what, um, there are all these other religions, all these other beliefs out there, all these other ways to live life. Did, is this just the family I was born into? Is this just kind of the, the, I don't know, most of my friends fit this? What, why is this? Well, according to the author Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I would say right here as well, the fact that Jesus was dead and then rose from the dead. The fact that he rose from the dead and is alive currently, right now, ruling and reigning, and that the gospel, the good news that he proclaimed, that he ushered in with his death, and then that he solidified with his resurrection from the dead, that gospel that shapes our life, that good news, is grounded upon the fact of Jesus risen from the dead. Amen? So, so I want to encourage you with this. What does it look like for that to be the first place you go when you struggle, when you doubt, when you're, I forget the words of the song that we just sang, but the right, like, my, 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 I, I, my soul is downcast, my, my words, my thoughts are accusing me. Jesus risen from the dead is the hope of our salvation is the hope of our lives. And Peter declares this. And my guess is probably that's good news, and we would agree that that's good news. But when we get on to verse 11 and then specifically verse 12, we need to camp out there for a while because it is, hear me, absolutely essential that we understand in love the exclusivity of Jesus. So let's look now. And verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. That language is intentional, okay? The cornerstone is absolutely necessary. There would be, and I'm way out of my league here with construction. You, those of you who know me know this. Um, amen. Matt helped me build something last week. Um, so there's a cornerstone and everything else that's built, this whole giant structure, the very temple that they're in was dependent upon this cornerstone. If that cornerstone isn't there, if it's not solid, if it's not um, structurally sound, see, I can fake it. If it's not, doesn't have structural in 
integrity, then everything else comes crashing down. The cornerstone is essential. So this language is important, right? We would just read, oh, we don't know about cornerstones. No, he has become the cornerstone. And then verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Let me read that again, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's very clearly stated here in Scripture. And I want to pause here because you're at a Christian church, right? We say all of life is all for Jesus. We wear shirts that say that. We talk about it. We say in Jesus' name, right? Sometimes we don't even know why. Why is that? Why do we do that? That's just a good way to end up prayer. No, the, the name of Jesus, the work of Jesus, what he has accomplished is absolutely essential, is exclusive. There is no other name. There is no other way for salvation. And salvation is salvation from judgment, separation from God, hell, and salvation into life, meaning, purpose, identity, hope. True shalom is this idea, things the way they're supposed to be. So let me ask you, is that mean? Is, is that cruel to say? I have many non-Christian family members, um, and I might even speak into this. I was in tears. I kind of fought back, um, as I tend to do, and normally don't win. Um, uh, as a young boy was um, in handcuffs and put in the back seat of a police car in, the fr in my front yard, basically, uh, yes, they walked on my brake lines, those of you who know this, but... Um, it was crazy. I was, my wife was out with some friends, and I was home with f my four kids, and then we had a fr friend over, so five kids, playing board games at the table. And then my kids are like, Dad, there are police cars out front, and, you know, something's going on. And I went out, and I could share, I might share more of this later, but it's, it, I was saddened. I went out first, like, officers, is everything okay? Like, do I need to know anything? And no, it's okay. So I went back inside, and then just compelled, and I actually saw this kid who I, I've interacted with. I've seen walking around our neighborhood before. He's the one in the back seat, and, and I went out and gave my card, which I forget I have normally. I'm not usually, like, giving out my business card, but um, I happened to have them, and I was like, oh, can you just give this to this boy, to his, his f family? Um, you know, I'd, I'm a pastor. I'd love to just, you know, any way that, that I, can, I can be be a help. Well, hear me, church, the only way I can be a help is with the good news of Jesus. And, and the good news of Jesus is for salvation. I don't know this kid or his family's background, their faith. I don't know if they're saved, okay, in terms of they put their trust in Jesus and they are no longer um, will, will, will suffer the, 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 the wrath of God, the, the, the just deserving wrath of God in God and his love and his mercy, his care for his people judges the sin that has been done against those whom he loves and those who he created in his image, that, that God's wrath, his judgment will be poured out and that is good. Okay, if you, if you don't think that's good, it's because you haven't 
Miroslav Volf, who was a part of kind of Serbian, Yugoslavian, you know, um, just horror and all the, the stuff that's gone on there. And he's experienced all these atrocities and, and, um, and, and horrible ge- genocide. He, he writes, if you struggle with God's justice, it's because you haven't suffered unjustly at the hands of others. And so he, he talks about that. So that said, you put your faith in Jesus because he, Jesus hung on the cross and endured the wrath of God from his father. Father, why have you forsaken me? He took our place. And then um, he says, it is finished. That, 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 that the sacrifice that he offered was, was acceptable to God. That he gave his perfect life and then he rose victoriously from the dead. Okay, there's salvation. There's hope. There is, I will not go to hell when I die. I will live forever in all eternity reconciled to God, my creator. And, hear me, there is also a a, a very present, very real good news. That though the world is not the way it's supposed to be, there is hope in Jesus. That salvation is a future event that we anticipate and look forward to that has become true and real, that we are grounded and founded on now that is built upon the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it's a present hope and reality that shapes us. And so this young boy that I, you know, was out there that I've seen, that I look forward to, to, to talking with more, and I'm gonna ask him some, some questions, and I heard some of the stories, like the, the gospel of Jesus is, is good news for you today. And I don't, there was something he got in, there was a domestic dispute, the officers told me, and something happened, and I'll, I'll insert here this, this young boy's um, African-American, he's um, pretty tall for his age, he's kind of a bigger kid, and again, is, is, and, and we've seen him, interacted with him in our na- neighborhood, and to look out my window and see that he's in the back seat of a, of a police car, and that he doesn't want to go home, and just, it's, it's broken, it's not the way it's supposed to be. So I go back, is it mean to say there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved? It's only mean if it's not true. Okay, here, okay sit there for a moment. If there's something else, if there's some other solution that God has given to bring hope to this young boy in my front yard, if there's some other answer to give hope to those of us in this room who, who, who suffer under, under anxiety and who have, who have marital problems and, and discord and wonder, is this ever going to get better? Is, 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 am I ever going to have a better relationship with my family, with my, with my parents, with m- myself? Those lies that we just sang about that everyone else is saying those are lies and I'm believing about myself. Well, they don't seem like lies. They, that's the only way I know to look at myself is that way. And, and then is there any other hope that will reconcile us to God? If the answer is no, there is no other way then, then it's not mean. In fact, it's absolutely loving. It's loving to be clear. It's loving to be countercultural. And let me say, by the way, and this is, I was preparing and, and thinking about this, it's all the more important, church, that we do our diligence to, to separate the good news of Jesus from any way it can become blended with nationalism. With, 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 with specific ethnicities, 
with, with specific ways of life that fit. And, 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 and I know this isn't popular, so I'll be counter-cultural in this way as well. But hear me, hear me. This, the, the gospel of Jesus is at stake if we let it blend with something else. Amen? It's we have got to understand that the good news of Jesus is so clear and so specific and so exclusive that if we marry it with other stuff, we, we do a, an incredible disservice to the people we're sharing with, to the God who's saved us. And, and so we look here, there's no other name. Nothing else will save you. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will heal. And so now to perhaps kind of shift gears, because this I know some of us think this way. Um, there's, there's something from the, um, called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it's a series of questions and answers. And the, um, and the um, Presbyterian Church and the, and the Reformed Church has, has walked through this and been shaped by it. Now there's a new tool called the New City Catechism that's kind of made some, it's the same questions and answers, but the language is more helpful um, for, for us and something that we've been walking through with our kids. And I'm going to just, I'm going to go through a series of question then answer, question then answer. And, it, and, and so if you're struggling at all to see the, the state we're in, the desperate need we have for Jesus, and the, the way that he is the only hope, the only name under heaven by which we must be or can be saved, let's walk through this series of questions. I'll start with question 16 and end with question 24. And I'll just walk through them. Question, what is sin? Answer, Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, not being or doing what he requires in his law. Question 17, what is idolatry? Answer, idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator. Question, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? Answer, no, God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them both in this life and in the life to come. That's bad news. Okay, we need to recognize that, sit under that. Okay, what I talked about earlier in God's justice, he is not just, he is not worthy of our worship unless he judges and deals with sin. And because I, I was walking through this with my kids and my, my family this weekend, my son actually, who has such a sweet, sensitive spirit, he goes, I was just asking him their thoughts, and hey, is this helpful to kind of walk through, through these things? And, and he goes, well, yeah, it's important. He goes, but um, to, don't, don't, don't go through question 18 unless you be sure to go to question 19. <laughs> question is there any way to escape punishment and be brought back into God's favor? A future and a present reality. Answer, yes. God reconciles us to himself by a redeemer. That's good news, amen? Well, who is the redeemer? Question, good question. Answer, the only redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Question, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Answer, 
one who is truly human and also truly God. Question, why must the Redeemer be truly human? Answer, that in human nature, he might on our behalf. Turn to your neighbor and say, our behalf. On our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. Well, question, why must the Redeemer be truly God? Answer, that because of his divine nature and his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective, full. When Jesus hangs on the cross and says, tetelestai, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full, that it may be perfect and effective. Final question here. Why is it necessary for Christ, the Redeemer, to die? Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power, the present power and future penalty of sin and bring us back to God. Reconcile us to God, our creator. Acts chapter four, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The first sermon series we ever walked through here as a church, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, talks about the preeminence is some word, which I never use that word outside of that, and as I press in, it actually means supremacy. The supremacy of Jesus, the rule and reign of Almighty God, creator of all things, everything currently, if you're a scientist, which I'm not, full disclosure, but um, in, 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 you understand that even Aquinas in his second way talked about things don't naturally stay together. And his argument for the, for the, for the truth of God was the fact that things are sustained that order remains in, instead of chaos. So Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, the fact that he gave his life for us, that though we're yet sinners, enemies, God shows his love by sending his son Jesus to die for us. Again, if it's not true, it's not loving. It's mean, it's arrogant. But because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, it's absolutely necessary that we be clear. It's absolutely loving that we understand to us in this room and to anyone that we interact with that there's no other name under heaven by which we must be or can be saved. And yet, if we're honest, we, we, we look for every other way, ourselves and in our communication with others. I um, heard a story. So I did the Westminster Confession, right? I walked through that stuff, question and answer. For this perhaps will help. I um, heard a story this week of um, someone, uh, this idea, and someone's in a, in a club, right? And, and is going up to... to pick up on a girl. Let's just say it's a guy, he's in a club hanging out with his friends, goes up to, you know, initiate conversation with a girl. Talks to her, they hit it off, it goes well, and, um, and, then, and then he walks away, and he wants to get in touch with her again. 
And thinking, man, how can I, how can I reach out? How can, man, it was so good. We, sparks were flying. We were gelling. It was good. We're, you know, it was a great conversation. Everything went well and, and, and all this is good. And he goes back well, to his friends. Hey, well, you know, are you gonna, are you gonna, gonna, gonna hear again? Man, I hope so. Well, well, how? Well, yeah, I, th- I think I'm gonna try Facebook, but yeah, I see, I already looked that up. She doesn't have Facebook. I know. MySpace. No, no, not gonna use MySpace. Napster. No, definitely not Napster. You know, okay, I'm going, um, man, you know, carrier pigeon, you know, whatever else. And then the guy's like, well, you, you had a piece of paper when you came back. W- what was on that? Oh, her pho- phone number. Well, call her. She gave you her number. Call her, you know, send her a text. Ah. Man, I don't really like, like the number, though. It has too many sixes. I like sevens, you know. Um, no, but she gave you the way to contact her. Like, I don't know. I don't know if she really wants me to, 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 to contact her again. I don't really know if she wants to see me. She gave you her number. Like, did you call the exact number that she gave you? No, no, I'm worried. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's a fake no, call the number, like that right number, right? Like, and I know that's, that's, that's silly, but right, if, you're, if someone gives you a way to contact them, even if you're off by one digit, you're off, all right? And this is the way given to contact, to interact. There's no other way. God, has, God sees our desperate need and then provides a way, a means for us to be reconciled, saved, but even taking it even further, and that whole little kind of goofy illustration, the, the even better news, the more important news to understand here, though, is that God is pursuing. And so when we talk about the exclusive reality of the gospel, it's, it's brought even more important and more clearly that God is the one pursuing. So when he tells us how we can be reconciled, how we can know him, how we can be saved, it's because he is pursuing. The gospel is pursuing. There's um, uh, author and, and p- pastor Josh Butler. He's a, a pastor up at Redemption Tempe. He says this. The gospel moves in the other direction, right? Even the little illustration I just gave, we think, oh, well, I'm, how do I find God? I'm seeking. I'm doing this. Well, no, the, 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 this, the gospel moves in the other direction. Jesus is the unique and decisive way God has come to us. God is the one pursuing us. We're the ones running. The cross is not a mechanism we use to get to God, but the way God has come to find and raise us. Again, last week, right, we looked at the fact, the good news, the countercultural reality that God is love and Jesus is love. And we camped out in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, I don't have it up on the screen here, but this is where we said, where again we see the pursuing love of God. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the exchange, the death and resurrection for our sins. In John chapter 10 and in Isaiah chapter 53, both Old and New Testament, we get this picture of us being sheep, right? Silly, wayward sheep, wandering away. Each one has gone his own way. But on him, God has laid the iniquity of us all. 
Or in John chapter 10, this beautiful picture of the good shepherd pursuing the lost wayward sheep. God pursues. And not just like that silly illustration with a phone number, with a, hey, you know, with a call, but with his life. So again, I don't have time. I don't want to really camp out and all the, what about these other religions? What about these things? Again, let me say, all the more important for us to understand, Christianity is not an American religion. Okay, it didn't start here. It actually started in Israel, went pretty quickly to places like Turkey, northern Africa, Syria, okay, and then even China before here, the, before Europe. Okay, it's not an American thing. And all the more important than when we understand the exclusive reality of the gospel, when Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, it's not because we're being arrogant and American exceptionalism or something like that. Guys, church, it's because there's no other way. There's no other religion. Hear me on this, okay? And this, there's no other religion that has a high enough view of God and a clear enough view of us. Every other religion that says through something that you can do, through some, some effort of, 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 you know, Buddhism, of, of absent of thought, through some, some good works, through, through some routines and rituals, whatever it might be, and, and all would say there's some element of grace, undeserved favor, but it's all this picture of you go about this far and then God's kind of will excuse you. He'll kind of let the last one pass, right? Like it's a, like it's a, a carnival game where you, you know, well, you were close enough. No one else ever gets that close. I'll go ahead and give it to you. Okay, but, but if the reality is God is high and holy and just and righteous and we have sinned so greatly. And if, if you struggle to see that in your own heart, which I pray that by the Holy Spirit you can see, also just acknowledge in the world around, it's not the way it should be. 14-year-old kids shouldn't be in the back of police cars because they got into a fight with their own mom. Right? The world's not the way it should be. And we have a, a, a need to be reconciled to God. And the only hope we have is that Jesus has given us his name by his power and only in and through him can we be saved. So as we close, I, I want this to get really like in here, in our hearts. Not just a, which I hope is helpful, right? The gospel, the good news of Jesus is visible, exclusive and pursuing, right? I hope that sticks, but more than that, I hope that right now in this moment, we are prepared to respond. Okay, I, I hope it sinks in here. I'm going to admit in a week or two, I won't remember that phrase. But what I hope happens is that the gospel through the work of the Holy Spirit sinks so deeply into our hearts. So I'm going to actually ask us as we close right now, every one of us to just close our eyes. Because sometimes it's helpful to have our eyes open and to see the world around us. Sometimes I open my eyes when I pray. But sometimes it's helpful to close our eyes and to go before God. So I'm going to say right now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and you are wondering where you are in this process, and you, you've wondered why, why is Jesus the only way? Why 
can't I just work harder and do better? Or I've been trying and I still feel like I'm failing. I, I don't even excuse myself, much less believe that God would excuse me. Then I hope that this morning you see the pursuit of Jesus. He's given his life for you. He's calling you to respond to him in faith. He's saying, come to me and I will give you life, life in the full. I will take your yoke, which is heavy, and your burden, which is light. I will will take that and I will give you mine. I, I will give you freedom. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you hope. I will give you salvation. I will give you joy. I will give you intimacy with your creator and with yourself and with others. And then if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, I just want to ask us to consider where have you accepted or even worshipped functional saviors? Something else other than Jesus that you think satisfies you, fulfills you, gives you forgiveness, gives you righteousness, gives you hope? Have you worshipped other things? In, in evangelism, where have you failed to simply tell the truth because the truth has not been as real, as, 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 as practical, as present? Where in our prayer have we failed to recognize and acknowledge that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved? That by the name, by the power of Jesus died, crucified, and then raised from the dead, and right now currently, presently, ruling and reigning over all things, by his name, we can pray, we can ask, we can trust, we can believe, we can live. Heavenly Fathers, we respond right now in worship. I pray and trust that your spirit, the same spirit that is at work in each of us right now, over us as a a whole, Lord, and, 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 and is now leading us, has spoken to us through your word. I pray that you will lead us to rightly see the good news of Jesus. Lord, that we will we will sing, we will pray, we will give, we will take communion, all the more informed by the fact that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But praise God, in his name, we can and have been. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.